I'm Andrew Haynes, and this is the Fair Game Podcast, the place where we talk about all things golf. Golf at the professional level has been very exciting this year. There's been some pretty epic performance on the course. You guys remember Rory and Collins' double hole-out on 18 at Augusta on Sunday? New rivalries across the sport have emerged and have permeated just about every conversation across the globe. It's pretty wild times right now. For this episode, we're chatting with Trevor Immelman, the 2008 Masters champion and captain of the international team for the President's Cup. Trevor has also played golf in three different tours over his career. It's safe to say this guy knows a lot about golf, and we had to get his perspective. Let's get started. What have you been up to? So you're off. You've got a couple days off. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on, on um, quite a run covering golf for CBS and Golf Channel. Uh, this summertime, you know, it really cranks up with all the majors and the events all over up and down the East Coast. Uh, so I have this week off, which is going to be a lot of fun. Get to come home and hang out with the family a little bit. Was actually able to be with them yesterday uh, for Father's Day, which was uh, which was great. I only had to work Thursday, Friday at the U.S. Open, so I was home on Saturday morning. Had a great day with everybody yesterday, and uh, I get to play some golf myself this week, which is which I'm actually excited about. Haven't haven't played much really since I dove into all the TV stuff and then uh, accepted the role as captain for the international team. Been quite busy handling all all of those things. So uh, the 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 few opportunities I get to play nowadays is uh, is pretty exciting. But there's like a little wrinkle there because I have a son that's about to be 16. He's an avid golfer. He grew up on tour. You know, he was born when I was out there playing and uh, fall is falling in love with the game. And he started to get really good. And any day now he's going to beat me. So <laughs> it's going to be a very sad day for me yep. and a great day for him. And, uh, you know, it might be tomorrow, actually. <laughs> I just played with my father yesterday and we were recounting the day that I beat him. And I will say, son, it feels so good. But it also, it's like, Wait, my dad's human. I thought I'd never beat him, and especially in your son's case has got to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a really cool thing uh, and a bond between a father and their son. You know, as as the son starts to pick up sport or whatever it may be, and uh, start to get better and compete, and then eventually eventually beat the old man. You know, it's just kind of like nature. It's like when you're out, yeah. you're watching nature. I've been fortunate enough growing growing up in South Africa to be able to go on a lot of safaris and spend a lot of time in the bush felt. And, um, you know, you see that natural evolution of the youngsters mm-hmm. coming and kicking the old guys out. So <laughs> that that's in store for me on the golf course here fairly soon. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, so in your game, in your rounds that you do get to play, how competitive are you getting or is it more for the enjoyment? And are you playing games out there? Like how's that? What's it like? <laughs> well, we always have a little bit of a game, but for me, it's a bit more for the enjoyment. And that's that's mainly for, you know, I've had to take that approach for my mental health because because the part of the issue with being um, a pro athlete is your mind always thinks you're good. And your body at, at some point in another, whether it be through injury or age, eventually 
uh, cannot do the same things, but your mind still still wants it to do the same things. And that's where the conflict occurs. And mm-hmm. so when, when you take it too seriously, when you're not putting the work in and not able to play in the same way, it really can get frustrating. So I've, I've made a conscious effort to just go out there and really just enjoy being out there and enjoy uh, hanging with my mates and playing with my son and, and helping him, watching him get better at the game and learn all the little things that I had to learn over the years. And so that's really the goal for me is just to get out there and, and knock it around with, with my buddies and, and have a good time. Nice. That's, a, no, that's really fun. So wait, so are you guys playing straight up stroke play? uh skins what's what's the format against your son listen he's pretty good we have to go straight up wow nowadays he hits it further than me as well so you know he's back on the back tees uh he's got that club hit speed right around 110 miles an hour or so so he's get it up there wow Uh, it's a pretty good game i'm you know we're at the point i've got to start using mind games now with (laughs) you know make sure he's thinking about the wrong stuff and see if i can get him to get a bad shot so uh you know i'm 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 a little embarrassed to have to admit that but that's that's (laughs) where we are right now but it's it's win at all costs and yeah you do what you gotta do gotta earn it there's no free victories out there in the world no he's gonna earn it when he eventually beats me He's uh, he's gonna have earned that, and it'll be a great moment. Exactly, I love the mind games. The mind games are fun. <laughs> Just the little things. So when your break is off, um, and you kind of like get back to work, obviously you've got the broadcast side. But walk us through a little bit, just in terms of you know getting ready for the Presidents Cup. You know we're we're getting pretty close, but there is some time. You know what are you guys working on now? I know we're getting really close to finalizing the players' picks and whatnot. Um, you know, yeah, we also have some, some questions about the course that we talk about a little bit, but you know, what is the next box to check, you know, over the next two or three weeks for the, for the president's cup? Well, it's been a long process, uh, because we've got the extra year because of the COVID delay. So because of that, we've had a lot of time to get, uh, a few things sorted that we wanted sorted, change a few things, try and find a way to build this brand really for the first time in our team's existence try and create some momentum out there with people knowing what this team is and, and who makes this team up and what event we're playing in. So we've been quite focused on that. Uh, we've been making some nice solid strides on social media with that kind of stuff. Finally, for the first time ever, we have merchandise available for fans all over the world that they can get on a shop and, uh, and buy some gear to support us if they want. It just was always fascinating to me, you know, I'll I'll talk about that for a second, that uh, here we are, the international team, and when you look at the countries we represent, we end up representing billions of people all around the world. And I just Mm -hmm. thought to myself, why on earth aren't we trying to find a way to galvanize all of the support from all these people all over the world and give them some ways to be able to support us? And I thought merchandise was, it was a good way to do that along with social media. So we, we spent the extra year really working on that, trying to build a foundation, not just for this President's Cup at Quail Hollow in September, but also future President's Cups down the line. And, uh, and then, you know, you're just trying to tick all the other little boxes along the way. Right now, uh, we're actually going through the process of getting all the potentials fitted for, for suits for our function. And so I actually had a guy here this morning 
that was taking all my measurements. We had a guy uh, at Hideki's house last Monday. Uh, Scotty and a bunch of the guys uh, did all their fittings at the Memorial Tournament. We had some people out there and guys were doing it in the locker room there. So uh, that's where we're at right now, uh, getting that sorted and making sure we, we are ready to go for whichever final 12 we end up with. But really, uh, I've been quite fortunate, Andrew, because we've we put an, a nice backroom team together. And uh, along with the incredible support and help of my wife, she's great at this kind of thing, organizing and planning. Um, you know, we've, we're, we're at a point to where the majority of the stuff is done. And now mm -hmm. we're just in a spot to where we can be nimble and agile and move with anything that needs to move. Uh, and adjust if we need to for for any particular reason, and we're just counting down the days. You know, it's been it's been a long few years getting ready for this, and we're counting down the days. Can't wait. Yeah, that's super exciting. In terms of the course setup, you know, now that you're getting things ready, I, I did see like a video. The routing is going to be changed. Like, how much of that is you and Davis love, or like, is it the captains? Is it a committee? Like, who's helping figure out how Quail Hollow is going to be set up for your, for the boys in September? So it'll be uh, the home captain. So it'll be Davis and then the PGA Tour staff. And the PGA Tour staff is, you know, the most experienced crew out there. They're setting up golf courses all over the PGA Tour on all the different tours, whether it be Champions or Corn Ferry or PGA Tour itself, week after week. And so they are the best of the best, really, from that standpoint as well as the fact that we've played Quail Hollow a bunch of times since the tournament went there, so they're familiar with mm -hmm. the course. And then the home captain gets to add his little stamp of approval on it and make a little tweaks. And that's something that's just come about actually this year, really, for the first time. We decided mm. after Melbourne that uh, the home captain should have much more of a say with dialing the course up that can suit his team mm -hmm. to where it's a real home field advantage, so to speak we'll have that opportunity in Canada in a couple of years. So, you know, I don't think there'll be any surprises from an American team set up. They're going to not have very much rough. They may open some of the fairways up a little. They'll get the greens as firm and fast as they can. Uh, that That's a template that has worked really well for them over the last decade in the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. So that's that's what I anticipate. But the routing, you mentioned the routing earlier. Uh, it's, it's a little different to... Uh, the Wells Fargo when we've played there over the years, the first eight holes. I'm going to try and explain this in a way that doesn't get confusing. The first <laughs> eight holes are the eight holes that, that you would be used to. But then from eight, you jump to the 12th. And the 12th hole will be the ninth. And then you'll play that loop around um, with the, par, the drivable par four and the par five and the green mile. So all of those holes are going to be right in the meat of the back nine, like 12, 13, 14, 15. The 18th hole for the Wells Fargo is going to be the 15th hole for the President's Cup. Every match will more than yeah. likely go through that green mile. And the yeah. build-out that they have around that area with the stands and the hospitality I don't think there's ever been a golf event in America that's going to have this kind of build-up. Uh, the ticket sales are through the roof. The, uh, the atmosphere is going to be electric. So anyway, after, after that hole, the 15th, uh, you'll jump across to 
what we know it as the par five tenth. So that'll be 16, 11 will be 17, and then the ninth hole will be the 18th hole for the President's Cup coming back toward the clubhouse. So and that in itself, if matches make its way all the way to 18, you, know, you guys may recall that's a tough, demanding dog leg left par four. You could easily win that hole with, uh, with a par to win the match. Right. There's, that, there's that fairway bunker on the right. You can get under the lip. You can hook it in the trees and be dead. So it's a pretty demanding finishing hole. So I, I think this routing is going to be awesome because from seven, uh, which is a reachable par five, and then you've got eight that's drivable. And then once you make that loop, they've got another drivable par four, another par five that's reachable. I think that that middle stretch of the round, you're going to be see birdies and eagles and the crowds are going to be going nuts. Love that. It's going to be great. I think, I think they've made a, a great decision with this routing. Nice. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned that the home captain gets, you know, they get to kind of like add a little thing. Is there anything that you are unaware about? Do you say, hey, by the way, I'm doing this or like have all the things been kind of like put on the table or you don't know until you get there? I would say I don't know until I get there, but um, I wouldn't be a good captain if I wasn't making a few trips up there. <laughs> so by the time the tournament kicks off, um, our crew will be will be well aware of of exactly what what to expect. But or shall I say, even before that, by the time they are on their way to the President's Cup, they'll be well aware of of what's in store for them. Awesome. Speaking of crew, so you know we've been watching on social media, you know, with the uh, with the points, and obviously you've got your captain's pick as we're getting closer. Um, can you talk a little bit about and you know just the strategy that goes into picking you know that that last player obviously points are the the main factor in you know the the core team there, um, but with all of the shakeups that are happening in golf right now, um, how has that affected you know your mindset into terms of like how are you making the team what are the best setups uh, uh, so on and so forth? Yeah, uh, there's a bunch there for me to get to. This this President's Cup first time ever that we've changed our qualification criteria it used to just go straight down the world ranking i wasn't a huge fan of that i wanted to find a better way to um crew understand a strength of field metric to where how can i see how players play where international players play when they're playing in the strongest fields against the best golfers in the world and so with, uh, with the help of people a million times smarter than me, we devised a system that uh, really did uh, highlight those things that I wanted. And we put it to the test here. And so far, so good. It's been, been panning out really well. Uh, the, uh, the cream really has risen to the top. Our qualification criteria and period began at the open last summer. So we've been going almost a year now. Since the PGA Championship a few weeks ago, from that point until the final week of qualification, which is the second playoff, the BMW Championship, there's a 25% bump in points. Mm. We can also then identify, the reason for that is to be able to identify the players that are the hottest coming into the President's Cup. And so, you know, guys like, uh, like Adam, who had a great finish yesterday, I think he was tied 14th or so. Since since that PGA Championship, your points are getting a 25% bump to them because we're getting closer and closer to the actual tournament. We'll have eight automatic qualifiers, and then I'll have four picks. There's a bunch of different things that go into that. 
you know, data has become a huge player in, in sports and particularly in golf in the last few years. So we'll be, we'll be grabbing data from all, all sorts of areas, uh, whether it be golf course or players or matchups and all sorts of things. And, uh, and that is a decent size of the pie. But at the end of the day, you also have to rely on some, some gut instinct as well, how you think players are going to be in the team room, how they're going to be able to meld together. And, and so, you know, the final, final 30% or so of it really is gut instinct. And, and what kind of feel do you want this team to have when they arrive at Quail Hollow? And, you know, the final, to answer the final part of your question, we're in a, we're in a, pretty funky time in the game of golf right now it absolutely has been um a disturbance not just for the tour and for all the tours around the world but uh for the president's cup and in turn for the Ryder cup next year i'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot about that as well in the mm. next few days oh, yeah. and weeks but mm -hmm. uh you know near term for the president's cup because we're inside of 100 days and we're trying to figure all of that out. Um, you know, I think everybody needs to understand a couple things. First one is that the, the President's Cup is owned and managed and run by the PGA Tour. And so that event and tournament runs by their rules and regulations, and it's under their jurisdiction. So um, how they decide to to make those rulings will directly affect how the two teams look. And, uh, you know, I think the other thing to bear in mind is all these other players that have considered and even up to this point made the jump onto the other tour, part of their decision-making process would absolutely have been that they knew that if they did make the jump, there is a real chance that they then cannot play the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. I'll just talk about the President's Cup um, because that directly affects me. And so when they made that decision, that was part of their de decision-making process. All I can say is that the 12 that we will have in Charlotte, however that team ends up looking, will be 12 players that decided to want to be in Charlotte and represent the international team. And those are the 12 that, that, that I want to get in the trenches with. And those are the 12 that I want to fight with and be with. So that's what I look forward to. For sure. No, that's awesome. Um, it's funny, like the, uh, the history of all of these cups where, you know, me, I, I casually walk, I watch golf. I, you know, started playing in my, you know, mid, mid twenties. Um, Obviously, there's the President's Cup, there's the Ryder Cup. So you think of this dynamic where there is always U.S. presence, right? And when you think of just the overall global impact of, of golf across the globe, uh, it would be, for me, at least for me, it would be really interesting to see, could there be other dynamics from a tournament perspective? I'm just making this up right now because I think it could be really cool. Um, where instead of it always being the U.S. versus uh, you know Europe or international, uh, what, what do you think about, like, for example, if there was a, a continent versus continent, uh, approach, I'm just thinking of, could there be a world in golf where there are different types of, you know, 
tournament breakouts like this, uh, match play, but instead of it always being the U.S., other countries are getting represented, or there's other formats. What do you think about that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I think it would be difficult because the golf schedule is so full already. And the other thing that I would say is that when you grow up outside of the U.S., uh, particularly in sports, you know, America is such a powerhouse from a sporting standpoint. You look at the Olympics, you look at all the other sports, generally the American athletes are right at the top. And so when you grow up and you fall in love with sport as a kid growing up outside of the U.S., um, your dream is always to be able to compete against the best and inevitably in some way, shape or form, that's some kind of American athlete. And so for us who fell in love with the game of golf, who weren't from Europe, we didn't have the opportunity to play in the Ryder Cup against the American team. And so we're quite fortunate and thankful to the PGA Tour for coming up with the President's Cup. So finally, we have an opportunity to be able to test our skills against the best in the world. So that's the way it is right now. Um, I think it would be so tough from a depth standpoint, unless you really, you know, made some tweaks to the format um, for other countries to really solidly compete with the US. And that's why I think we've seen, uh, like with the Ryder Cup, you know, Great Britain and Ireland only started being competitive once they, they joined with, with continental Europe. And, uh, and then the international team, we're, we're starting to get a little bit of momentum now, but we've still only won this tournament once and tied it once in all the years. So we're still looking to really try and make history for the, for the first time here by being the first international team to win on American soil. That's never happened before. So that's, that's where we're at. But I mean, I, look, I love your idea of trying to find a way to um, increase participation, create some cool new events and bring in different countries uh, to where uh, the game can be spread wider and put, be put in front of more people to then in turn inspire youngsters from all over the world to pick up the sport. Because that's the one thing that's fascinated me uh, for a number of years as I've been traveling the globe, playing the game, mm -hmm. is how popular the sport is, how popular it is with other athletes, with entertainers, musicians, actors and actresses, business people. Inevitably, you run into someone that's mega successful and they find out that you're a golfer and all they want to talk about is golf and their game and why am I slicing it and how do I hit this <laughs> chip shot? Why do I keep duffing the chip and sculling the bunker shot? Like people are obsessed with the sport so the more we can get it uh, available for more people all over the world it's just going to get bigger and bigger and we've kind of seen the bump from covid when when golf was one of the safest best sports to be able mm -hmm. to play you could get out there and be distanced and all that stuff uh when we still thought that was the way to go golf definitely did get a nice bump hopefully it can oh, keep yeah. growing you were kind of mentioning, you know, formats and stuff. Andrew, you were asking questions. And Trevor, uh, to me, you know, watching match play is so much more uh, interesting. <laughs> sometimes, like, you know, some of the just stroke play, obviously, is a very hard test for the game. But to getting people interested, do you think there's more opportunities to introduce it? Because President's Cup, like, the energy behind these matches is going to be amazing. Ryder Cup is amazing. When they do the match play in, in Texas, it's fun. 
the women's tour does a great some great stuff. But I really feel like the kind of games that we play on the weekends on the course aren't necessarily reflected sometimes on the tour, which is fine because it's a different test. But but having match play be something more, um, or even just testing over the formats out. Do you think that's a good way to bring in more audience and show people that there's a different way to play the game? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I love it. Um, growing up in South Africa, I know it's the same in Australia and you know in the UK and Europe as well. Uh, match play seems to be much more popular than what it is here in the US. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great format of the sport because it's uh, one of the occasions to where, like you and I are playing against each other, and we it's like another sport. Like we're we're staring at each other whilst we're competing. In stroke play, I could have teed off at 7.30 and you teeing off at 2 o'clock and we're competing against each other and we won't see each other at all during the day. There might have been a 25-mile-an-hour wind blowing when I teed off and it's uh, calm but raining when you tee off. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's almost like a whole other sport. Whereas yeah. with match play, it's like the whole me against you kind of thing. I think that that has the opportunity to bring more people from other sports that are used to other sports, you know, like this team against that team. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so possibly it, uh, it could increase participation and eyeballs from that standpoint. So I'm, I'm yeah. all for it. I think it's exciting, especially in, in, in the President's Cup format or Ryder Cup format, because you get yeah. that little bit of patriotism and team camaraderie mm -hmm. and trying to play for something, which is one of the yeah. reasons why like this hat I'm wearing, this shield, uh, it has become so important to us because we really never had a logo or a flag or anything that could signify our team until Ernie Els decided when he was captain that this is ridiculous. We've gone all these years and we've never had a logo. And so he came up with the shield. And right. it's really been something that's uh, brought us together even more. And to where guys are like, you know, it doesn't matter this week that I'm from Japan or South Korea or China or Australia or South Africa. This mm -hmm. week I play for this shield and, and we try and go up against uh, amazingly strong and tough US team and we see if we can create an upset. And that really has um, really, I think, improved team camaraderie and, and brought the guys together even more. Yeah. That's super exciting. So I have to ask the question because I'm also I'm super curious just with overall strategy as the as the tournament kicks off. Um, can you you don't have to give us all of them? Are 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 there any definitive setups that you know that you're to you're to put in place? Like if Cam makes it, Cam is playing against this person, or like is there anything that you can give us, even if it is kind of like placeholder at, at the moment? No, there isn't really. It's a little too early to tell. You know, I quite frankly just haven't done enough homework on a lot of it yet because it's so early still. So as we're leading up to it, really once the team is chosen, and that'll be uh, mid-August, that still leaves us just over a month before the tournament. Mm -hmm. At that point, uh, all the real studying will begin because then I will know exactly who the American team is, who's on my team, and I can start to understand uh, all the different nuances at play of how these guys have been head to head, uh, the different uh, things that I've observed over the years or during the year in my broadcast role when players play together. And so at that point, 
is when all that kind of stuff will start taking some shape. And then the beauty of the President's Cup, what differentiates us from the Ryder Cup, one of the ways, is that uh, when the pairings get announced, uh, let's say, for instance, I go first maybe because I'm the visitor. So I'll put a team out in whatever format. And then Davis gets two minutes to decide who he wants to put against my team. And then he'll put someone out. And then I can choose who I want to put against his team. So that's completely different to the Ryder Cup to where their captains decide the order with no idea of what the other team's going to do. And they hand it in and then they are unveiled at the same time. So there's no real strategy behind, ooh, I'd like to see Cam Smith play against Justin Thomas. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see... Adam Scott go up against uh, whoever, Jordan Spieth. So there's no, none of that uh, sort of nuanced approach, which I think has the ability to um, play in a particular captain's favor if they've done their homework, if they've um, you know, figured a few things out, if they've got a few tricks up their sleeve, or even, quite frankly, if they just get lucky. Yeah, so, yeah. so, uh, so we'll have to see. I think that's one of the cool things about the President's Cup. Yeah, I didn't know that. That feels much more like you know you're a captain and a coach, uh, making it a real team effort instead of just hoping the golf gods align with you. Correct. Right. Yeah, that's cool. One more question related to that. Are so this is my my comparison. So NBA, for example, right? Like obviously there are coaches, and you know you've got players like LeBron and Steph who are at the highest level of their game. Obviously, there's a coach in place that's calling the plays, but they play a, a pretty significant role, I think, in terms of like how the game orchestrates and moves. Are the players, once the team is confirmed, do the players have, and you know, at the end of the day, the call is yours to make, but are they able to voice su suggestions of any kind? Are they involved at all? Or is it kind of like, hey, this is your role, go execute? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a combination of both, for sure. It's a combination of both because you're trying to um, manage a few things. First of all, none of us are aware yet what kind of form these players come to that week with. So you have to be able to adjust to that. Then you also have to adjust if one of them aren't feeling well or if one of them are carrying a little injury. So does that mean that I can only I can play this guy all five matches, or do can he only play three? Uh, do we have the right support staff in place to make sure that uh, he can be managing this injury and still perform at a really high level? And so there's a number of things that that come into play there. But my management style is a little bit more all inclusive, trying to take in as much information as possible. Uh, allowing each player to be himself and not have to be forced to fit into somebody else's mold. I've never thought that people perform to their potential when they're not comfortable and when they're not able to be authentic. And so I will never force any uh, player to do something that they're not comfortable doing or to do something that they're not used to doing. So it's much more of a um, all-inclusive discussion, and once that discussion is done and the strategy is in place, then you've got to trust the strategy. 
I think it's a great, uh, you know, format chat. And like, that's why I think we all love this game is all the different formats and getting you got to see you guys play in them. So, um, the only thing, uh, that I, I have, a, I do have a question. So we, we can go back to it is yeah. you know, if you wanted to just chat, and I'm sure you've chatted about this a lot, but the kind of transition from player to captain, you know, you've played in a few of these yourself. Uh, and now you, know, you get to be you know, the head, the head honcho, so to speak. So, um, how's that transition been? Yeah, it, uh, it's been humbling for sure. I can't say that it was really on my radar to be uh, captain of this team. It, it just uh, quite honestly happened organically uh, right after the uh, President's Cup down in Australia and the team mm -hmm. decided that, that I would be the next guy to take over. And we really felt like we gained some momentum, even though you know we had the lead going into that Sunday. And we fell just short, which was agonizing for us because uh, we really wanted to, to do it for, for Captain Els because he had done a great job. But we felt like finally we started getting some direction for this team. And, um, you know, the players thought that I would be the right person to, to carry it on and build off of that platform that, that uh, Ernie had put in place for us. So that was extremely humbling. Caught me off guard, uh, to be honest. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun and with my role uh, in tv and the fact that i'm able to be out on tour so much it's been extremely mm -hmm. helpful because i'm able to get out there on tuesdays and wednesdays and uh, meet up with the players go catch them in the pro-am walk a few holes chat with them and their caddies run a few ideas by them and just as a whole get to know them even better than what i already did some of the players uh, you know, like Adam, I've competed with a ton since we were juniors, but all these other youngsters that are coming through, I've had to invest some time to make sure that they're comfortable with me and that they trust me and they believe in, in what I've got going. Uh, so that's been a huge advantage for me to be able to do that. And then also with regards to TV, because I'm commentating on so much golf and watching so much golf, I'm able to learn more about these players, how they react in certain situations, what their favorite shots are, how they see things, how aggressive they like to play in certain situations. So I'm really learning all the time from them. Um, and, uh, you know, I we touched on it a little bit earlier. My, my leadership style is going to be pretty chilled and much more of a relaxed atmosphere and allowing them to take the lead Mm -hmm. and, and build this team the way they want it to be. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's going to be a few decisions leading up to the tournament and during the week that I can make that may make a difference. But at the end of the day, these guys need to go out there and get the golf ball in the hole, drive it down the middle and stiff iron shots and make 30-footers and chip in. And if they do that, and you know, you know, they, can, they can take ownership of that. And, and like I said earlier, win this thing for the first time on American soil. That's a bit more, a bit more my style is giving these guys each their piece of, of ownership to where they can go out there and, and get it done. For sure. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. And also one of the amazing things about this format is just the, the presence of the fans. Um, as things are opening up across the globe, it, it seems like knock on wood here, we're going to get a pretty, pretty good turnout on, on both sides. You think? Yeah, look, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, mostly American support. Charlotte is an amazing sporting city, and the weather should be great in September. 
The course is going to be in fantastic shape. The build-out, like I touched on earlier, is going to be something like we've never seen in the U.S. before for a golf event. And, uh, yeah, we're just hoping to be able to garner as much international support as we can. Try and find ways for tickets to be available for people all over the world if they are able to make the trip. And absolutely, uh, the fact that things are opening up a little more and travel restrictions are starting to drop off and testing requirements and all that kind of yeah. stuff that's become part of our everyday life. Unfortunately, all that stuff is finally starting to um, be stripped away now and people can travel much freer. Uh, we're hoping that that allows more more of our fans to come in and and be there and enjoy the experience and make themselves heard and uh, you know, wear our gear. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. But but yeah. we like yeah. to do it in an organic matter in an, in an organic way um, yeah. to where where people really have learned to to love our players and love our team through the social media stuff and getting to know these guys. To where they really want to come and support them. That that would be my goal yeah. moving forward. For sure, agreed. You have a great roster of fan favorites, so I, I would fully expect. You know, Adam didn't force us to wear any shields, but we will do it for you guys, <laughs> uh, even as an American, just to support you. Uh, because I do think you guys are doing a really great thing, and this is one of the best times in golf. So um, yeah, I appreciate but yeah, we'll, we'll get some swag on, and there might be some American stuff too. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. That's good. So it should be. It's great. I I will say, even though I am born American, as a I'm a like I went to school for graphic design. As a designer, the international team stuff is cooler. Like it's just it's cooler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's tough, and I and and um, part in part of my discussions with the tour as we were going through all of this, and I was pitching them the idea of us being able to have merch. I said to them, you know, you got to understand, we're going up against. Uh, an American team, and when you consider what their logo is in the Stars and Stripes, it's one of the most famous brands, if not the most famous brand on the planet. And you can just walk across the road to like a 7-Eleven and pitch and buy something with an American flag on it. <laughs> That's that is true. It's so easy to support the American team. So we <laughs> are light years behind um, from that standpoint. So how can we supercharge this thing? To where our fans around the world have an ability to be able to buy a hat or a shirt or a hoodie or something uh, and come out there and support us. So it took me a little while, but eventually I started making sense to them and, and uh, we've got a shop up and running now. Great. That's awesome. Cool, man. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a great chat. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair Game Podcast. If you haven't already, you can hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever service you may be using. You can also follow us on Instagram at Fair Game Golf and check out some original videos on our YouTube page. You can find all these links in the episode details below. Hope you guys are getting back on the course out there. We'll see you next time.